Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive, and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running. Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Welcome back, everybody, to Man vs. Machine. In this episode today, we are going to be covering our season-long projections for the NFC South. So it is man and machine yet again as we break down these projections. We're going to be talking about all the fantasy-relevant players for the Atlanta Falcons, for the Carolina Panthers, for the New Orleans Saints, as well as Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Talk about what our projections mean, what it means for your fantasy teams, and how we project these backfields and wide receiver corps to kind of play out here in 2023. Dario, how's it going today? Good, good. Uh, hope you guys all enjoyed the long weekend. I certainly, you know, had some time to connect with the family, hang out. And that was, you know, great, great little sequence. But the downside of that is feels like the week just started and it's Wednesday. So it's also kind of over, but we're we're getting through it. Yeah, I I looked down. I was like, holy crap, we're recording today. Uh, it just sneaks up on you when you're missing that extra day on Monday. It's nice to be able to spend the time with the family, but man, is the work pile on. I feel like I'm going to be behind all week now in terms of responsibilities for the site, for the business, for everything. We're getting caught up, though. Uh, it's going to be nice to, to break down the projections. I know we we've, we went through and did another update over the weekend, moved some players around with some news. Um, news today. We're going to update some projections with Brees Hall, looking like he's coming off pretty healthy. Dario sent me a text that Brees Hall was running as fast as an iguana today uh, inside camp. So that's great news for Brees Hall. want to make sure that we're adjusting there. It looks like he is going to be ready in time for week one, which I did not think it was going to happen, Dario. I thought he was going to be eased into things three, four weeks, hit the ground running week four or five. Might be wrong in this situation. He might be looking like he's going to be ready earlier rather than later. And we're going to need to adjust the rankings accordingly. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I'm with you there. I thought maybe week six, he'd be back to like his full self that we we got to see last year. Uh, but I mean, if he's running 22 miles an hour in May, it's, it's not even June yet. It's May. Uh, I, it makes you feel pretty good about his prospects for early in the season. It's kind of crazy. If you think about it. What, eight months removed from ACL surgery already running 22 miles an hour. It's it's. Pretty impressive, quite frankly. We could be, uh, I forget the stat, and I don't want to, I don't want to misspeak here, but I don't think there's been a running back since Adrian Peterson tore his ACL to finish inside the top 20. And I might be, don't quote me on this, everyone. So everyone's taking the quotes for the show. Don't quote that. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's the, that's the, that's the stat here, Dario. Brees Hall might be the next player to break it then, the streak. Yeah. I mean, the, the youth is on his side for sure. He was already a really explosive player. So, I think there's a lot of good indicators in that direction. Well, unfortunately, not a good in a lot, not a lot of good indicators inside the passing game for Atlanta. Desmond Ritter here in our projection is slated to start the season. Uh, we do not have him projected for a full 16 games. So the, they did go out and sign Taylor Heineke as well. Came over from Washington, who, who definitely had showed some flashes in some games in his active streaks over there. And so, Desmond Ritter comes in at 13 games inside of our projections for Atlanta. Taylor Heineke comes in at four. Uh, we have Desmond Ritter projected for 
2,900 and some change on yardage, 16.2 touchdowns, nine and a half interceptions. We did give him a little bit of work on the ground, not a lot. We give him about 8% of the rushing share, roughly 40 rushing attempts, about 200 yards roughly, and about 1.8 touchdowns. The biggest thing, of course, inside the rushing game was the addition of Bijan Robinson. Everyone and their mom has him up there as RB2. We do not. Before, before we get to telling you about our top secret projections for Bijan Robinson, you're, we got a word about our brand new sparkling data analysis tool. Oh, that's right. I love this tool, man. Uh, it's been It's been great that we're finally done with it. You guys need to check it out. All right, I want to take a moment today to talk to you about data analysis. The data analysis tool, we listen to the users. What do you want? What do you need? And we made it happen. We added popular reports like a fantasy scoring report, air yards report. And if you want to create a new report, but you don't necessarily want to look through every field, we have quick results. Hey, show me the most popular passing data. Show me the most popular rushing data, fantasy data. Done. And the thing just much faster than it's ever been. And the report builder got a lot easier. I mean, check this out. We break it down into offense, defense. Show me just fantasy data elements. And then when you get results, hey, show me by draft year. Let's take a look at just certain players that played a certain number of snaps or a certain number of games last year. This is the tool that so many of you have been asking for, plus a bunch of dream features that Billy wanted and Cody wanted and I wanted and Dario wanted. So go to the fantasy tools section, click on data analysis, or go to playerprofiler.com slash data dash analysis. It's pretty slick. I'm finally glad that we officially got version two done of, of this. We had some snags, the original release. We, we cleaned up those bugs. It is running smooth. It is clean. It is processing super quick. Uh, I've been playing around a lot with it, getting ready for these projections, getting ready for podcasts. So if you haven't checked it out, head on over to Player Profile, check out the new data analysis tool. It is awesome. Back to the running game, Dario. <laughs> yeah, thanks so, for I mean, the save on like the you were saying. We got Bijan Bijan Robinson. We thought, ever, I I still can't believe that they used the eighth overall pick on him. Yeah, that should indicate to us that they're going to use him pretty heavily. We have him projected for fifty three percent of the carries. On keep in mind. They were one of the most run-heavy teams last year. So 53% of most teams' carries is not going to be as much as 53% of the Falcons' carries. Translates to 262 carries, which feels like a lot to be giving him. And that translates to 1,180 yards, 10 rushing touchdowns. We're also giving him 10% target share. That's 50 targets. And, you know, people talk about Bijan Robinson's explosiveness in the receiving game. And, you know, something that you and I have been looking at that has kind of raised our eyebrows a little bit is his highest college season in terms of reception total is like 26, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 26 is his second, his sophomore year of college. So there's there's definitely some reason for skepticism, but the way that this team was ran last year, they were extremely run heavy, top two in the league, and it was them and the Bears really just who can bring down the pass rate more and more every week. So I think there's enough room in this pie here for Tyler Algier, I mean, who we have for 150 carries, and Bijan for over 250 to both continue to be fantasy relevant. Yeah, and and it's not like we expect Tyler Algier to just disappear altogether. And that's what it seems like a lot of projections that I have seen, at least in the industry. It's like they're expecting Tyler Algier to get like 50 carries. It, it's We still haven't projected for 30% of the rush share, which is not a lot, you know, in terms of a, a backfield breakdown. That's still 148 carries. Well, Gerald Patterson is still on the team, too. Like I think that I think Arthur Smith 
wants to use all of these guys to put defenses in uncomfortable positions. But I mean, I probably will play out such that Bijan Robinson being younger, more explosive, best pass catcher of the bunch will take over. But I think that the people who are drafting him as the RB2 behind Christian McCaffrey are uh, being really, really optimistic for sure. Cordell Patterson is now like the Dollar General. Have you ever seen one of those stores, Dollar General? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just like leech off of all the other stores around them. It's amazing that they're a Fortune 500 company. But like all they look at is stealing like a banana sale here, a gallon of milk sale here, uh, a toilet paper roll here, right? And that's what Cordell Patterson is going to be in this offense. Like, <laughs> he's going to be leeching off Bijan Robinson touches, it, whether it's in the red zone, whether it's in the passing game. It's going to happen, right? It's it's inevitable, and it's just a matter of how much is the question. We don't have him projected for a lot. We only have him for 35 rushing attempts, but it's still 35 attempts. It's not like I said, he doesn't disappear. Yeah, and, and we have him actually for even more targets. Cordero Patterson comes in at 8% target share. That's 40 targets, which I think that that's kind of the way that we're predicting this offense plays out with the addition of Bijan and the fact that Algier took over so strongly in the run game down the stretch last year. Cordell Patterson's still probably going to have some juice, and I think that they're going to continue to find ways to use him creatively. That tra- Those 40 targets, we have him translating to 262 receiving yards on 30 receptions and 2.2 receiving touchdowns there for Cordero Patterson. Yeah, and I think it just breaks down. It speaks to the lack of weapons that they have in the passing game. Like, of course, they have Drake London. They still have Kyle Pitts, who they refuse to use accordingly, right? They went out and got Mac Hollins, who's, you know, kind of disgustingly the number two option uh, in the receiving core, not counting Kyle Pitts, of course. So then that leaves this kind of open for Cordell Patterson to carve out a role who was a receiver, you know, prior to being converted into a running back here on. And and so I think that the way we break this down is they're still going to be involved. We do like Bijan. He comes in as our RB seven. I think we moved him up one spot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. RB seven. And so it's not like we're completely against him. We just are tempering our expectations accordingly. Um, the passing game breakdown, we'll just kind of talk about the top three options. Uh, we'll talk about Drake London, 27% of the target share. So we have projected for 134 targets, breaks down to about just under 1,100 yards and 6.7 touchdowns. And then Cal Pitts at 20% of the target share, which is 100 targets on the dot nearly. 888 receiving yards and 4.3 touchdowns. And then Mac Hollins, number three right now in the passing game in terms of target share at 10% target share, 50 targets or 49.8 to be exact, 370 receiving yards and 2.2 touchdowns. Have you added any Mac Hollins in your drafts? Like he sneak like you can you can get him around 20 all the time. Yeah, I think he's he's definitely a, a last round dart throw that that I'm kind of occasionally interested in because he he had some pretty nice spike weeks last year. He had 1,200 air yards last year. I mean, I think that we might actually need to sprinkle a few more targets his way now that I'm looking at this more closely because 50 targets for him when he had 93 last year. I mean, I know it's a worse offense, but he should be even more having more of an opportunity to be a full-time player. Although I guess he basically got to be one last year with all the injuries that the Raiders had. But yeah, a lot of it was injury-driven. And then you have to think, 10% target share in this offense versus 10% target share inside of 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 the previous offense are two different total numbers oh, right for sure. based upon expected volume we could probably yeah, go I mean, 11 or 12% a, he was a 16% target share guy last year so i think that we'll have to we'll have to continue this conversation 
after the show, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at the rest of it, though. It's kind of gross, right? Demir Bird at 3%. We have Kaderil Hodge at 3.5%. John New Smith at 5.5%. Um, got know, Scotty Miller, though. Pruitt at 1%. <laughs> yes, yeah, Scotty Miller. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I think that... 3%. <laughs> it's, it's too bad this team is not going to unleash the ball. And they also don't have a quarterback. I mean, like, we've seen some interesting performances from you know the commanders receivers when Heineke was throwing the ball to them but I don't think this team is in any position to unleash a passing attack from their quarterback perspective or from their weapons perspective so that does kind of point well for Bijan Robinson at least having to shoulder more of this offensive workload but this is not like I think one thing we need to remind people with this division is none of these teams are projected to be what you would consider um good <laughs> yeah it's kind of a gross division although i would say atlanta has a chance to realistically almost all these teams actually have a chance to win this division if you think about it I know, um, not the buccaneers <laughs> i mean the buccaneers at least have some offensive weapons still i mean the quarterback situation is is a mess but i i think they have as good of a chance as the rest of these guys you don't think so i don't i think the the Baker Kyle Trask quarterback room is a tier behind behind the I mean at least Bryce Young's the number one overall pick he could grow into something I think Derek Carr is is gonna hopefully keep the Saints afloat but I I think the the Bucks are gonna fall apart man I mean I don't know if you saw this other day but Caleb Williams was trending and it was because of uh videos of Baker Mayfield at Bucks OTAs that everyone was tr- talking about Caleb Williams to the Bucks is what. Yeah. Yeah, Bryce Young was the one, the one-on-one, but you know who else was the one-on-one at one point? That's Baker Mayfield, buddy. So things can happen. <laughs> things can happen. Oh, well, and, and Jameis, right? He's the backup in New Orleans. It's all all the number one picks are in this division. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious, actually. All right, let's move on to Carolina. Uh, Bryce Young, we are projecting for 16 games, so we do expect him to kind of take on as a starter uh, from day one and, and maintain that role. Uh, we do have one game projected for Andy Dalton. 3,700 passing yards for Bryce Young, 21.3 touchdowns, 13.9 interceptions, a little bit inside the rushing game, 51 attempts, 185 yards. It gets us to three rushing touchdowns, and we'll just lead right into the running backs with that rushing share. Uh, Backfield, we have divided up with Miles Sanders taking on the lion's share at 46% of the rushing share, 215 rushing attempts, 992 rushing yards, 7.6 touchdowns. Uh, It's a 4.6 yard per carry average, which is lower than his career, but he's no longer behind that Eagles offensive line. Chuba Hubbard comes in at 33% of the rush share, 154 targets, 634 rushing yards, and 5.1 rushing touchdowns. And then it kind of scatters out from there with Raheem Blackshare, Spencer Brown, and then, of course, some of the receivers get some touches as well. Dario, how are we feeling about this backfield? I think that, you know, we talked about this, I'm pretty sure, on one of the episodes of Man and Machine, how we're kind of both a little bit skeptical of Miles Sanders' current ADP. I think that, you know, they're talking about how much they're going to use him in the passing game, and he's seen that once his rookie year. I think he got to, like, 50 targets. But otherwise, he was sparsely utilized in the passing game in Philadelphia. I think it's it's going to be tough for him to deliver. I mean, right now, I think that people are underestimating the potential and the, the damage of just like being in a stagnant offense for a running back. Like Miles Sanders got to play with the best offensive line last year. He got to play with a dual threat quarterback. So I think that that regression for him is kind of keeping me away from drafting him at his ADP. Um, and 
you know, we we do have a little bit of optimism with the talent of Chuba Hubbard, but again, I think that this team environment is not exactly one that I'm chasing to get a lot of exposure to. And, you know, he's clearly going to be the second fiddle. So I don't know. I have a hard time saying I'm too excited about any pieces in this backfield. How about you? Miles Sanders is a little intriguing to me. I, I kind of lack the confidence to always select him. I've always liked the player and the talent. I like the previous team more, as you stated, ex- especially for the reasons that you stated as well. But the interesting piece is that I think Carolina could potentially get Miles Sanders more involved in the passing game again. As a rookie, we saw him with 50 receptions. It was the only time that he even eclipsed the 30 mark in his entire career. So 2019, 50 receptions, 500 receiving yards, 509 to be exact. And then 2020, he only saw 28 receptions, 2021, 26, and 2022, 20. I think a lot of this could be said about the rushing quarterback. It could be said about you know adding more weapons inside the offense and, and less involvement in the passing game. But I think that he might carve out a role here inside 2023 here for this team just because they don't really have that many weapons in the passing game. Like, yes, they have DJ Chark. They went out and drafted Jonathan Mingo. They still have, you know, they grabbed Adam Thielen for agency as well. They still have Terrace Marshall. It, what I'm saying is like, there's no alpha here, right? It's a bunch of kind of mm-hmm. either has-beens or misfits. Um, potentially, you know, Mingo could step into a role, a larger role than we're expecting, but Miles Sanders might actually find himself in that like 40 40 target range, 50 target range, somewhere in that 30 mm-hmm. to 35 reception, which would be his second highest in his career. And so I think that that's a possibility. Maybe he surprises us and we see him closer to 50 receptions, which I think would get him kind of more of the high-end RB2 than the low-end RB2 like we have. So I think there's an out here, right, in terms of poker for sure. what his ceiling could be versus floor. I just don't like the overall rushing upside like we had inside Philadelphia. Um, plus, you think about game scripts, right? It's going to not favor the rushing game as much, might favor the passing game more of them trailing from behind. And so I'm kind of uncertain with Sanders. He's one of those things like I'll take him, but I, I never feel great about it whenever I'm building a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of funny because that's how we felt about Sanders this time last year, right? Like there was a lot of skepticism about just like his role in Philadelphia and he delivered one of his strongest fantasy seasons to date. So I think that it, it's it's definitely intriguing. And, you know, you think of Bryce Young, Jameer Gibbs obviously saw a ton of targets at Alabama from him. So that's, you know, maybe some some dots to connect because I do think that running back targets are largely a byproduct of the quarterback and the offense. So if Bryce Young is going to be that type of quarterback and Miles Sanders is going to have that role, it's very, very plausible. But I think that, you know, keep in mind, Chuba Hubbard was very capable of being that target earner last year when they had that split with Deontay Foreman. So I don't think that Miles Sanders is going to see 100% of the third down snaps or the targets from the running backs in general in this offense. Well, let's talk about how the rest of those targets are going to be distributed. Uh, We currently have Adam Thielen leading the pack in target. No, sorry. DJ Chark leading the pack in target share at 16%. Adam Thielen in at a close second at 15%. That's 84 targets for Chark, 78 targets for Adam Thielen. Chark comes in at 757 receiving yards and 3.9 touchdowns. Adam Thielen comes in at 594 receiving yards and four touchdowns. 
And then we have Terrace Marshall and Jonathan Mingo neck and neck as well for that number three option in the passing game. Mingo comes in at 13% target share. Terrace Marshall comes in at 12 and a half. All very similar stats. That's 68 targets for 65. 567 versus 522 in the receiving game. And then we have 3.3 versus 3.1. Are you interested in any of these options inside of a draft? I mean, you can get them all really cheap. You could tactically stack a Carolina Panthers team if you really wanted to um, at little to no cost. Uh, I don't see why you would do it, but you could potentially do it to diversify and try to, you know, hit that lightning in a bottle one out of 100 odds. But have you built any Carolina stacks? Would you, who do you like? If so, who are you targeting? I think you have to look at the fact that Terrace Marshall is going about 90 picks later than Jonathan Mingo on underdog. That's pretty, pretty shocking to me just because, I mean, yeah, they, they did draft him in the second round, but you know who else was a second round pick? (laughs) Terrace Marshall. So I think that the the NFL teams are going to naturally defer a little bit to the veteran presence. I think that probably on week week one, their three receiver set is going to be Thielen, Chark, and Terrace Marshall. And I think that this has a chance to be one of those receiver rooms that is one of, if not the most frustrating to predict from like a fantasy week to week perspective, because yeah. I can see those four receivers along with Hayden Hurst, who's definitely going to get some targets at the tight end position, just all kind of trading off which weeks they happen to be relevant. And we're going to have a hard time predicting who's going to be the spike week that guy that week. And then also for, for DFS purposes, I'm sure they're all going to be pretty cheap, pretty consistently. And then I think the other big variable, of course, comes down to like Adam Thielen. He's, he's getting pretty old. Like is if he, if the wheels start to fall off with Thielen, that three receiver set could become Marshall, Chark and Mingo. But I think that they're going to work Mingo up to that. And I doubt that he's going to be, you know, a full blown, like, we, you know, tent pole to pole like leader for this this offense. So I think this is it's not the worst team to stack. I think we're always looking for kind of those intriguing cheap stacks that could potentially deliver. I mean, you, you look at Jacksonville last year, right? Say Jones was probably going where Terrace Marshall is right now. And there was a lot less optimism with Trevor Lawrence because of his rookie year. And then he entered that second year. So I think that it kind of reminds me of that situation if I had to pick a team to parallel with this. And there's already kind of a lot of risk factored in with how cheap a lot of these receivers and Bryce Young are. So Adam Thielen, we've, we've seen his kind of fantasy output propped up by his ability to score touchdowns. 14 in 2020, where he finished as wide receiver 11. He had 10 in 2021, where he finished as wide receiver 14. Tapered off last year, only around six. Um, We've kind of seen his efficiency metrics continue to decline as well. He was in a really pass-heavy offense. We've talked about Minnesota Vikings in the last show, and we expect them to be in the top eight and expected pass rate. Carolina, different story. Totally. Don't expect him to eclipse the 100 target mark. Red zone targets are probably going to come down as well. They're not going to be as efficient. I mean, last year, Adam Thielen had 22 red zone targets. That was number five in the league. How much? This team's not going to be in the red zone that much. (laughs) No, I'm saying that's what I'm trying to say is like, what is the floor for Adam Thielen? Because like he might be being drafted right now. Right now, he's going at FFPC as pick 141, right? Mm -hmm. So that might be a mean output, right? You might be able to see a little bit. You might be able to outbeat that if he continues to score. But I don't think he's going to score like he did 
And so what is the floor here for Adam Thielen? Like, let's remove these touchdowns out of the equation. Let's put them closer where we have them projected, like four touchdowns. If he doesn't see this target share that we, we haven't predicted a 15% target share, if he's more of a 14, 13% target share guy and someone like, you know, LaVisca takes an extra percent or somebody like Mingo takes an extra percent or like we said earlier, somebody like Miles Sanders takes an extra percent. What, what I mean, what what are the, the ranges of outcomes for all these guys? Because this is, like you said earlier, it's going to be very hard to predict on a week-to-week basis. But even season long, we're talking about this target share could go either way for any of these guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, one thing I've always loved to hammer home is that yards per route run is one of, if not the greatest metrics of just how good a receiver is. And if you look at Adam Thielen over the last four years, 2019, who's still at the top of his game, he got 2.13 yards per route run in 10 games. 2020, when he started to, you know, I mean, he, he's been, 2020 was probably his best season, right? You said the 14 touchdowns, 1.85 yards per route run, still very good. You want to be around two. Last two years ago, 1.74, still losing a little bit of efficiency, but hovering around relevance. And then last year, it just completely fell off the face of the earth. 1.15 yards per route run, 88th among all qualified receivers for player profiler so i think that his efficiency could truly tank like you said if the touchdowns aren't there and he ends up being like a two or three score guy over the course of the season i mean there's a, like obviously he's not the most expensive receiver to acquire right now but there's still a chance that he's giving you zero in your lineup at least from a best ball perspective um for for a good chunk of next season that's impressive. Did you have those numbers at your fingertips or did you like pull them up on data analysis just now? Uh, I've actually I actually got his player page and just clicking <laughs> over year to year real quick. I was like, man, Dario had that just like like the machine top of his head. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's the way powering the data analysis right now with his brain. Uh, let's move on. New Orleans. Derek Carr comes over here. You see they brought in Gruden to help kind of this move along this offense, which is interesting. Um, John we had, Gruden? I didn't see that at all. Yeah, we have him at 541 passing attempts, 4,112 uh, passing yards, 28 passing touchdowns, 4.1 interceptions. Uh, Carr doesn't run the ball, so he's just going to be scrambling. 24 attempts, just under or just just over 100 rushing yards, 1.2 touchdowns on the ground. Backfield is interesting, though. Sorry, this is where it's interesting. Backfield's a mess. It is a mess. We have Alvin <laughs> Kamara still on the team, which we're still still expecting a suspension. Haven't seen any news on it yet. Um, but it is in the cards at some point. Um, so we have modestly projected him for 31% of the rushing share because we are expecting him to miss six games in our projections. If that changes, I want to talk about the scenario, like as soon as we're done talking about this backfield and the rushing share. But 31% of the rushing share, only 124 rushing attempts, 521 rushing yards, and 4.5 rushing touchdowns. Jamal Ingram comes in at. 30% of the rushing share, 118 rushing attempts, 507 rushing yards, and 6.5 touchdowns. And then we have Kendra Miller coming in at 21% of the rushing share, 84 rushing attempts, 378 rushing yards, and 3.2 touchdowns. And don't forget about the other running back who they use at quarterback, who they use at tight end, and that's Taysom Hill, comes in at 12.5% of the rush share, 290 rushing yards, that's 50 rushing attempts, and five touchdowns because he's been super efficient on the ground. <sighs> Backfield's a mess, like you said. 
We have to worry about Taysom Hill. We have to worry about Kendrick Miller. We have to worry about Jamal Williams. We have to worry about how many games Alvin Kamara is going to be suspended. So let's talk about a world, two worlds here, parallel universes, Dario. Alvin Kamara in the world that we haven't projected for being suspended six games and Alvin Kamara in a world where he is not suspended and avoids the suspension, where does he finish inside of our rankings in the latter? See, I mean, right now, he is ranked as RRB... I think it's like 35 or 36. Yeah, like 31 or 35-ish. 36. So I think we'd probably comfortably move him up to that low or like mid-20s range, right around where we have Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, guys who are pretty solidly entrenched on their teams, but we're not exactly optimistic about the offenses. I think Alvin Kamara's best days are behind him. I think anyone would agree on that. And Jamal Williams obviously just signed a pretty nice contract for a running back with the Saints. They draft Kendra Miller in the third round, who we're very optimistic about as a prospect. So I think that the biggest benefit for Kamara if he plays this full season is that he's definitely the most pass-catching capable back of these three. I mean, I think Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller overlap a lot in their skill sets. And if Kamara is suspended, that's going to open up a lot of targets in this offense. But yeah, I think that's probably around where we'd end up having Kamara settle in. Would you, what would you say? Yeah. Like let's look at his passing, his attempt. Let's look at his receptions here in the projections. So we'll move on to the passing game here. Talking about Alvin Kamara right now, we have an 8% target share. That's only 46 targets. But again, we're, we're projecting him to miss quite a few games where he has seen in the past few years. Let's talk about all the way back to his rookie year. 81 receptions. This is this is pretty impressive, by the way. Yeah, no, this is one of my favorite stats. <laughs> 17, 18, 19, 81 receptions, 81 receptions, 81 receptions. It, then we get to 2020. He finally beat it. 83 receptions. And we start to see his efficiency drop off from there. 47 receptions in 2021, 57 receptions in 2022. A lot of that, too. We had injuries. We had quarterback dilemmas. There's a lot of things going on during those years. So and comfortably. Think, like you, you you hinted at this, but definitely it, the, the Saints offense today is nowhere near what it was when you were getting four. No, sorry. Five straight top 10 running back seasons from Alvin Kamara. I think that Derek is. Carr hopefully gets them a little more stability than we've seen the last couple of years where it was like Jameis, Andy Dalton, Teddy Bridgewater sort of, you know, carousel. But it's, yeah, it's, it, I don't think that Alvin Kamara is going to, even even 57 receptions he had last year, it's going to be tough for him to get back to. I mean, obviously if he's suspended, but even um, with just how the backfield is more crowded now. And I think Derek Carr is not going to be as much of a, a dump off quarterback as, Teddy Bridgewater or Andy Dalton have been in the last couple of years. So I wanted to update the projections to see where he would come in had he not been suspended. So that would allow Kendra Miller to probably drop down inside the rushing game. That would give Alvin Kamara, um, you know, closer to that 150 rushing attempt line, uh, probably even higher than that. Probably let's, let's take a look at it. Let's do 0. 0.40. So that gets him back to the 160 range. Keep in mind, we have Jamal Williams here now. We still have Kendra Miller. We still have Taysom Hill. But that gives him 12% of the target share. That gets him at 70 targets. Where did that move him in the projections? Oh, that moves him all the way up to RB16. So, I mean, one of those things you could technically gamble on in drafts. I don't really like it because I expect the suspension. But it just shows you even at a modest projection there at 160 attempts, which would be his second lowest of his career outside of his rookie year, right? It would be 
pretty low in the reception range too. What is this? What did this come in at receptions here? Uh, I think you moved him up to fifty-two receptions. So fifty-two so receptions puts him at his second lowest in his career as well, and that still takes him as RB sixteen. So, yeah, I mean, keep your fingers crossed. He's not suspended, but we do expect him to be suspended. Let's move on to the. Oh no, we got the passing game still. Sorry, sorry. Chris Olave is, of course, the number one option inside the passing game that we have projected at 26.5% of the targets. That's 152 targets to be exact, 1,300 receiving yards, 7.7 receiving touchdowns. Michael Thomas comes in at number two inside the passing game at 94 uh, targets, 16.5% of the target share, 699 receiving yards, and 5.4 scores. And then we have... Juwan Johnson technically as the number three at 14.5% target share. That's 83 targets. Gets him to 605 receiving yards and 4.6 touchdowns. How do you feel about this 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 passing game? I just I, I'm I'm here to pound the table for Chris Olave. I'm actually I, I decided to do a quick data analysis query while while you mentioned it. You inspired me. And I think we need to point out the fact that. Chris Olave had a higher yards per route run than Garen Wilson last year. He had a higher route win rate. I think that on those metrics that we look at for just how good is a receiver in, a, in the purest sense of running routes, winning at the catch point, he's, he was a better player than Garrett Wilson last year. And I think that he should be ranked ahead of Garrett Wilson this year. I think that people are underestimating the value of the quarterback upgrade for Chris Olave. So I'm... All Chris Olave is one of definitely one of those players that I'm all in on in that late second round. I think that he's, you know, it's expensive for for a second year receiver. I mean, you're not used to this is the kind of profile that you could normally get in the fourth or fifth round in years past, but the community has gotten sharper. And I think he's very worth that high entry point right now. Yeah, you and I are both high on Olave. I actually have him ahead of my rankings i have him ahead of garrett wilson in my project my projections and me rankings, too ahead of jalen waddle and that's completely like opposite of consensus most sites have garrett wilson ahead of him it's pretty close though we're only separated by 12 fantasy points here so it's not like it's this this massive tier gap here um but he comes in as what is for 10 instead of our projections that's how high we both are on him yeah i mean if you look at <laughs> i just remember last year early on it was Chris Olave's air yards was the story every week before Jameis Winston got hurt. It was, I mean, he was having weeks with 130 air yards, 160 air yards. He had, the, of course, the 330 air yard game in week two, like just completely ridiculous numbers. We know the Saints, Saints gave up a King's ransom to draft this guy and he showed to be pretty damn good on the field last year. So if you're not getting your Chris Olave exposure, if you think the price is too high for a second year receiver, like it's not too late to change your mind and start drafting some Chris Olave because you won't regret it. Michael Thomas has only played 10 games in the last two years. 2020, he played seven games. 2022, played three games. That's the last Pr- three years. <laughs> yeah. Prior to that, thank you, I can't do math. Prior to that, he saw 186 targets in 2019. Which Michael Thomas are we going to get in 2023? I think it's safe to say that... The 186 target days are gone, but can he eclipse the 100 target mark? Can he still perform as a wide receiver three in fantasy? What's what's your take on on Michael Thomas? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think back to week one last year when he has that two touchdown game and everyone's like, oh, dude, this guy's back. And then before you know it, he was out for the season. Once again, that injury, I remember it was super weird because the Saints wouldn't put him on IR for for weeks. It felt like 
So it's really hard to trust how they're going to handle him with his health in general. But I think that for any given week that he's out there, he's probably going to earn, you know, five, six, seven, eight targets and be a strong duo with Chris Olave. I think the reason that we haven't projected for 10% targets or less is because of the massive uncertainty with him staying on the field. And he's also 30 years old now. I mean, last time we saw him, he was, you know, when he was in his prime in 2019 and 2018 before, like, I mean, he was, it's kind of like, just like Kamara's career. If you look at it, those first four years, absolutely dominant in fantasy. But now he's, now he's 30 years old. That's pretty, pretty old for a wide receiver, as we all know. So I think that I, I like where we have him ranked. I don't know if I'm getting too much exposure to him, but a little bit. I think, you you know, if you get Olave and you get to make that double stack with Michael Thomas and Derek Carr later on in your drafts, that's definitely something I'm looking to do. Yeah, we have him as wide receiver 48. We have him in that Odell Beckham, Jordan Addison, Elijah Moore range, which seems about right. Mm-hmm. And um, he's going as wide receiver 46 on underdog. So it's not it's not a massive discrepancy there. I think that he's someone that should be in your portfolio for sure. Yeah, if we knew today and that we we're going to get 16 games from Michael Thomas, I think that we could safely say that his target share is probably 22, 23 percent. Um, right. We just and even exactly if you knew right we now. could get 10 games from him, I think that this is a fair enough place to draft him because you know that at least in those 10 games, he's going to contribute. I think that's one of the things that people often lose track of in fantasy is that you'd rather have a guy who's a top 20 wide receiver for half the season than a guy who's a top 40 wide receiver for the full season. Like those weeks that he's going to contribute more points, even if it's fewer weeks or more valuable than a guy like, I mean, let's see who else is going in this range of wide receivers. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster, for example, would you rather have 10 games of Michael Thomas or 17 games of Juju Smith-Schuster if you knew they were both going to be healthy? Oh, man, I'd probably take the 17 games of Juju, but I like Juju. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, probably would. (laughs) Uh, You weren't expecting that, were you? Disappointing, (laughs) disappointing, Billy. He was not expecting that. Even you don't understand the full power of spike weeks <laughs> best ball or redraft you didn't say best ball or redraft yeah i mean i'm looking at best ball adp so okay kind okay. of best best ball i'll take the 10 games michael thomas redraft i'll take juju i'll take the 17 games i want to be able to add a flex spot <laughs> is that fair enough you're on thin ice you're on thin ice really <laughs> all right last team we have here the baker mayfield and kyle trask led tampa bay buccaneers we do have Baker slotted to lead this 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 passing, or I should say, this this back this this quarterback room with 14 games. Kyle Trask at three games. It's subject to change with, of course, camp news because this is this this is still up in the air. But we do expect Baker to be the number one option to start the season at least. Three thousand three hundred and ninety passing yards, twenty two passing touchdowns, eight point four interceptions for Baker. Um, on the ground, not much other than the scrambles, 32 rushing yards and 51 attempts. The rest of the backfield in the rushing game, we have Rashad White at 51% of the rush share. We have Keyshawn Vaughn at 4%. Uh, we have a placeholder for another running back right now because we still expect them to sign somebody um, at 33%. And then we have Chase Edmonds at 27%. Which to the point now, we, we probably need to start removing some of these placeholder 
touches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like a backfield that is still incomplete. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that it, it feels a little bit incomplete, but also, I mean, give us all the Rashad White that we can take, please. Uh, you know, <laughs> so I think that if it if this ends up being what they go into the season with, then we'll be very happy for it because we'll get to see a pretty big workload for Rashad White. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, I think this is the team that from an, an overall team and offense quality perspective, I would be most worried about because I think the offensive line is going to take a step back. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are both a year older. And then Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask, just like, I mean, that, that enough said, right? I think that Baker wins the job, but, you know, I, I think that we, we, we've seen a lot of, Baker Mayfield to know that he's not going to engineer an elite fantasy offense, even when he was in his, you know, best days kind of game managing that Browns offense. It was still nowhere near creating an offense in the way that we've seen, obviously with Tom Brady these last couple of years for, for Tampa. I think that it's going to be just absolutely night and day. We still have roughly 125 rushing attempts that can be kind of divided up amongst this backfield. Um, Chase Edmonds is is if if they keep this backfield as is is slotted to be the number two option inside this backfield. He goes undrafted in most places. Some people might you might see him go in round twenty, round eight. You know, very rarely um, do you see him going underdog. But are you interested in Chase Edmonds if this backfield is is as is going into week one? Oh man, I don't know. I I got I got burned so bad by Chase Evans last year. A lot of us did. Too. Yeah. Um. But I think that it's tough because that that was an, a situation that he was. You know, everyone was excited. They signed him as a free agent. They sought him out. They paid him decently well, and it was a very exciting offense to be a part of. I think to get him for free at this point, basically, is is probably worth the dart throw. But like I said, I, this offense we're used to seeing a lot of targets to the running backs from Rashad White and Leonard Fournette last year. Leonard Fournette really both years that that Brady was there. And I think that that's going to regress massively. massively. I think that people are underestimating how, like, how much of an what's, outlier... What's bigger than massively? What's bigger than massively? <laughs> <laughs> Tremendously, hugely, uh, unimaginably. Nuked <laughs> into the ground. <laughs> It's this. It's going to get new. I mean, it was such an outlier the the amount of pass attempts that Tom Brady had in his couple of years in Tampa Bay, and even if they regress slightly back toward league average, but I think that they could be even way worse than that. But even if they went to league average, that would still be a massive decrease in the size of the pie here. So I don't know. And also, I mean, people are excited about Sean Tucker. If you actually look at underdog ADP right now, he's going ahead of Chase Edmonds. Believe it or not, they're both basically undrafted, but. Sean Tucker ever so slightly ahead of Chase Edmonds, which is interesting. Yeah, nuked into the ground in terms of the running back targets is absolutely correct because Leonard Fournette had 83 targets, which was RB4 last year. Rashad White had 58 targets, RB12. So two top 12 backs inside of targets on this team last year. It's very safe to say this is going to be nuked into the ground. Um, But we still might see them use as an outlet. They're still going to be involved in the passing game. Rashad White comes in at, at 9% target share in our projections. We have Chase Edmonds at 5%, but that's only 51 targets and 28 targets. Not nowhere near the numbers that we just mentioned. 
Mike Evans comes in at 22% target share. Chris Godwin comes in at 24.5% target share. Uh, it's 139 to 125 targets, respectively. 1,145 receiving yards for Chris Godwin, 1,094 receiving yards for Mike Evans, 8.2 touchdowns for Mike Evans, 6.6 touchdowns for Chris Godwin. Both these guys can be had pretty cheap inside of drafts. I've seen Mike Evans go real late, especially FFPC. I have one round nine share even at FFPC. Um, Is this the first year, right? Mike Evans has eclipsed the thousand yard mark in every single is right. Is that right? I think. I think, yeah, he still has. Every single year, I'm verifying right now. I misspoke last podcast, and I've been on on fire for it. I've been <laughs> be, be getting called out. It's been amazing. Um, every single year, thousand, yeah, thousand receiving yards or more. Rookie year, one thousand fifty one. He's two thousand seventeen was close, one thousand and one yards. Um, <laughs> so he's still yet to do it. Does he do it again this year, Dario? It's it's going to be harder than ever. That's for sure. I mean his his efficiency metrics have all been trending down lately as. You know, any receiver does when they're closing in on 30. And like we said, the overall size of this pie is going to shrink more than any other offense in the league, without a doubt. And I think that we I think we have it in the right order that Chris Godwin is going to get more targets than Mike Evans because he's younger. He's one full season now removed from his ACL tear in 2021. And he he was just down the stretch last year, he was Brady's preferred target. So I think that with with these inferior quarterbacks, they're going to be more effective closer to the line of scrimmage. That's where Chris Godwin operates. It's going to be pretty tough for Mike Evans to get to that thousand yard mark, I believe. Yeah, I, I think so. I think he'll actually probably get it. I just think this this team will be bad enough where they'll have to throw the ball. And I think it depends on what Baker Mayfield we see. Like if we saw if we see Baker Mayfield like Rams Baker Mayfield on that week he came in versus the Raiders with no practice time and <laughs> drove the ball down and I lost 250 bucks or whatever it was on the bet against the the money line for the Rams, then I think that Mike Evans probably beats the thousand yard mark. But if we see Browns Baker Mayfield, then I don't think he hits it. And so it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty close. Tight ends. Any of these tight ends entice you? Kate Otten is really at 12 and a half. Yeah, Kate Otten's sure. interesting because he he had some some solid games last year. I think that well, I mean, where's he going? He's he's tight end 35. Like he's definitely someone that I'm mixing in as that third tight end on these best ball teams. And he's but, our tight end 25 in our ranking. So we're 10 spots ahead of ADP in our in our tight end projections. Yeah, I mean, when you put it that way. <laughs> but I think that it's it's still not I it's just hard for me to get excited about anyone on this offense. Frankly, I think it extends to this entire division, but we do have to talk about all the divisions. So here we are. Well, that's it, folks. That is the entire NFC South. If you missed it, go on back and watch it. We broke down Atlanta, Carolina, New Orleans. And of course, you just heard Tampa Bay. Dario, what are you working on this week? Tell the folks. I mean, we've got we've got a lot of top secret stuff that (laughs) I can't quite talk about yet, but we're very close to pushing out a very exciting new version of our dynasty rankings where you're going to be able to determine whether your team is is just like moderate down the middle or win now or rebuild there's going to be three different modes of ways to to approach the rankings and the trade calculator all these tools are going to factor in these different versions of states that your dynasty roster can be in i think we're going to be the first site to have that in our dynasty rankings and i'm very excited for people to dig into that 
please tell me like if their team is just absolute trash, it just says your team sucks. <laughs> we're, we're, no? We'll have that eventually. <laughs> it's it's going to be on my wish list. I'm gonna be like, Daria, we need to put this in before the launch. Got to got to. It's like that. Matt making uh, Clyde Roots Hilaire just bad running back in the rankings. <laughs> Just like a completely arbitrary, irrelevant (laughs) wish, but sure. (laughs) All right, folks. Well, I'll be back tomorrow on First Class Fantasy. We're joined by Nelson Sousa over at FTN, one of the best high stakes players in the world, in my opinion. Uh, He'll be joining us uh, or he'll be joining Theo and I on First Class Fantasy. I'll be back on Friday for the Dominator. We'll see you all then, folks. Until then, have a good night. Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.